0: Welcome to Catechesis, also known as Cats and Jesus. Catechesis is Greek for teaching, and that's what our hosts, Reverend James Goodlett and Reverend Adam Roberts, will do with this podcast: teach. Each week, they will study, discuss, and dissect the week's scripture and spoken word. Catechesis is a digital outreach of First Presbyterian Church of Lagrange. Welcome your hosts, James and Adam.
1: Welcome to Catechesis, a production of Lewis and Broad Media. My name is James Goodlet. I am one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church in beautiful downtown LaGrange, Georgia. Sitting next to my Methodist brethren, the Reverend Dr. Adam Roberts. Adam, how are we doing today? Hey, I got your cats if you got the cheeses.
2: I've been waiting to use that one.
1: You really have. <laughs> I, I will... I'll we'll say that you did a phenomenal plug for Cats and Cheeses, a.k.a. Catechesis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On your Sh- old Facebook. that's right. Yeah. You've got thousands of followers on your Facebook. I,
2: oh, man, I'm sure. And they're all cutting-edge influencers. That's right. I mean, got, like, my grandmother's friends and stuff. I mean, Elon Musk? Yeah,
1: yeah. Absolutely. And your grandmother's friends. <laughs> that sounds like a band. Elon Musk and your grandmother's friends. Or just
2: grandmother's friends. I like that. That could be it. A- mm-hmm. Well, we're off
1: to a rip-roaring start here.
2: (laughs) This is what they want and expect by now, James.
1: If you'd like to hear other podcasts (laughs) of this same quality, (laughs) go to listenbroad.org, including our flagship production. We did have to pivot a little bit this week. We couldn't record yet. We had to pivot. Pivot. And uh, I think we'll have a new episode for you next week. And maybe even a makeup episode, but we are in the middle of season four of Lewis and Broad. Check us out on our social media and website as well. I think I already said website, but social media at Lewis and Broad. It is a beautiful day outside as of this recording day, Wednesday, October the 26th, which means in just a few short days, it's Halloween. Oh, it does indeed. All Hallows Eve. Favorite Halloween candy, Adam? Go golly
2: I was unprepared for that y'all there's so much to choose from I'm gonna go with
1: you're (laughs) gonna go with something ridiculous very um old school niche
2: and old school
1: how about the
2: (laughs) miniature fifth avenues familiar
1: that is not your favorite. <laughs> it hobby, is. It's the very best. No, it's not of them all. Now you, you just, have to find.
2: No. You have to find the rare bag that includes Fifth Avenues, but it does happen. You familiar with the little peanut buttery
1: treat? It's I know a, what you're talking about, yeah. but I don't believe you. I think you just did that for shock
0: value. I mean,
2: listen, I wouldn't turn that. We're sitting here looking at uh, Reese's peanut butter chocolate covered uh, pumpkin heads. You know, and those are delicious.
1: They are amazing. Yeah, they are amazing. I, I, I've i I've always got to go with the sultry combination of peanut butter and chocolate. But I will say people fight for
2: the Reese's. On they really the Halloween.
1: do. I, yeah. I will say, though, if somebody throws a curveball and has a bag of uh, like a little miniature bag of Sour Patch Kids, I'm all over it.
2: I didn't think I liked the Sour Patch Kids until this podcast. And then I found out I love them.
1: Oh, uh, you as I was putting them away as we said. <laughs> we had a bag of them in the studio and you <laughs> dominated those things.
2: Yeah, they're they're tasty, man.
1: Leighton Parker, producer, director, extraordinaire, is in the house. Leighton, come on now. Time to come on, Mike and tell us. She likes candy corn. No, she doesn't like candy corn. I hate
2: candy corn.
1: Poor candy corn. What what what's oh. your what's your go to? You
2: notice candy corn doesn't even have a brand. I'm trying to buy you some time, Lee. Does it Brock's?
1: I, maybe. Brock's. But B-R-A-C-H. B-R-A-C-H.
2: Brock's is what yes. my grandmother's friends buy. <laughs>
1: like those, like yeah. those you scoop it marshmallow out. marshmallow peanut You got to go things. scoop them out.
2: You scoop them out and buy them by the ounce at the uh,
1: little grocery store. All okay, right, we fine. bought you time.
0: I guess the Reese's Pumpkins. Because the thing oh, with Halloween is there's on. no set. To me, there's no set Halloween candy.
2: Snickers bars, like if you Fight think of em. Easter
0: candy, what do you think of?
1: I think of uh, like Cadbury, Cadbury eggs. eggs. Yeah, so Peeps or Peeps. Easter
0: themed candy. But there's to me, there's not really any Halloween themed candy.
2: You know why? It's all good,
0: except for candy corn. But no one really likes candy corn. What was that? <laughs> all a the candy. To? It's just all good. Oh, it's
1: all good. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I've also <laughs> y'all. we're in
2: trouble. We got to start bailing water today, I don't know.
1: I'll, I've also noticed that some people pronounce the Halloween candy Reese's, right? And some call it
0: Reese's. Reese's. Reese's,
2: which I think is a deep deep south thing, maybe. I don't know. I I don't know that I heard that as much until coming to Georgia.
0: So Do you say pecan or pecan?
2: Pecan, of course. Pecan cuz i grew up in west tennessee and say it the way the lord intended.
0: What's another one?
2: I don't know. I'm people sure
0: People fight over.
2: I, I know in georgia people drink water.
0: Did no they know?
2: don't. Water. That's a pennsylvania thing. No, nah, water. And they have daughters. And it's the strangest thing.
1: I don't I don't, I disagree. <laughs> Speaking of translation <laughs> issues. Uh-oh, nice. A segue. There it is.
2: <laughs> you know, I guess people can always if they put on the podcast just go to like minute seven or whatever.
1: They really could, and, just... <laughs> and I'm sure they do. <laughs> but see now they're gonna want to see what how does he how does James uh, make the transition <laughs> from this ridiculousness to the actual uh, scripture? Luke Acts really Acts. We're looking at Acts chapter one, the very beginning. Verses one through eleven. That is going to be the scripture on this Sunday here at First Press. So let's talk a little bit about Luke Acts, and I think in keeping with the season, there's some scary stuff going on in there in Luke Acts. (laughs) Uh, This is uh, lots of ghosts, spirits.
2: The end of Luke and the beginning of Acts. It's uh, it's deeply mysterious. Uh, spiritual, uh, mystical. I don't think it's too far to say mystical. That word sort of puts people on edge sometimes like, oh gosh, what is that going to mean? Is that like magic? No, it's mystical. It's uh, beyond our easy comprehension understanding.
1: So we have right here in verse one in the first book, Theophilus. Theophilus could be somebody named Theophilus, Theo for short. God. God. Or, as you get into it, Theophilus translates to God-lover. So, it could have been written to a chorus, a congregation of God-lovers. Either way, the author, heretofore known as Luke, references the first book, that would be Luke, and... Introduces what's about to happen, sets the stage really for what's about to happen. And he kinda he kind of opens up with a with a recap. In the first book, I wrote all that Jesus began to do and teach till the day he was taken up to heaven, giving instructions through the Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs. We were talking about that in production. Pre-production. Why why did that jump out at you, I would
2: just, I'd love to know what those were. Wouldn't that be amazing to know? I mean, uh, miraculous, incredible, astounding sorts of things. Uh, Or maybe mundane kind of things that any other alive person would do. But when you saw this person not alive pretty recently, uh, I think it would get your attention, to say the least.
1: It's fascinating to me, though, how even At the end of this Gospel of Luke, and and even in some other Gospels, even when Jesus is there alive, resurrected clearly, they watch the man die. Then he's there. People doubt. Yeah. People still need proof. It says clearly that there was doubt. I want you to tell that story though. We've talked about in pre-pro. Oh yeah, about so, your professor. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know, no matter how much we might doubt, right? Something, and
2: went you down. know, it, it makes sense there would be doubt because I think when we come face to face with something truly of God's supernatural, beyond our explanation, uh, it's only happened to me very few times in my life, but my first inclination is I must be misunderstanding this somehow because this does not compute with anything I really think of as possible in this existence as I understand it, so that's what they're going through, so of course they doubt, but yeah, Luke Timothy Johnson, he's a uh, now retired, I guess he's an emeritus professor at Candler School of Theology at Emory and uh, fantastic, uh, tremendously well-known uh academic scholar, he wrote the writings of the New Testament, which is still being used um, uh, across many seminaries. today. It's on your nightstand, right? (laughs) uh, It's on my shelf. It's been there for a good 25 years, I guess. But uh, yeah, I remember sitting in his class the very first day, and he basically said, however rational and academic of a person you uh, consider yourself, uh, you need to grapple with the idea that he said he had come to believe, that something of tremendous significance took place within this community of people uh, and connected to that first Easter. He is like, something happened because that community was changed uh, completely to the point that they would go all the way to their deaths for what they now believed.
1: So whatever happened, they were convinced.
2: Yeah, I mean, there there comes a place of deep faith. The proof was
1: there. And yeah. they were convinced and it changed their lives. And really what Acts is all about is is what happened in their lives moving forward. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But I do wanna also point out it's really fascinating to me. And I, I tell folks when I lead a Bible study or teach a class or whatever, if you see a number in scripture, you gotta pay attention. Yeah. And here it's in true. verse three. It says that Jesus appeared to them during 40 days, speaking about the kingdom of God. Why, why is that number significant?
2: Well, so think about um, the flood that Noah goes through. Uh, think about Jesus in the wilderness. and There are several other 40-day periods. It seems to be a length of time that comes up associated with transformation, uh, purifying, fasting, testing. Uh, yeah, ultimately change, transformation.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have you know, wilderness times happen in the uh, when forty days of temptation, forty years in the wilderness, whatever it is. What's fascinating to me is this: this forty days, it, it it doesn't seem in keeping with the other forty day or year experiences, or it's it's just a little bit different. When I think of his time in the wilderness for his temptation, those were forty hard days. Those were forty hard years in the wilderness yeah. there were, those were forty days and forty nights of of rough seas in the day of Noah but this is this forty days here is different it's It's Jesus the resurrected Lord teaching them for forty days. yeah uh, I, I just think that's curious.
2: what a preparation time and uh, connected I suppose to what is to come perhaps.
1: And then and we move forward. And Jesus, you and I talked about this before we started recording. But Jesus is kind of, I don't, I don't know if he was sketchy, but he was definitely cryptic. That might be the word. He was cryptic. He says, Don't leave Jerusalem, wait here for the promise of the Father. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, setting the stage for for Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And then, even in verse 6, they ask him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And he basically shuts him down and says, bad question.
2: Uh, Yeah, and I would have thought it's the perfect question. It's the one that would make sense for them to ask. I mean, this has got to be the time. We now have this resurrected Messiah. Uh, If he will go forward now into the public eye in full view Alive, resurrected, uh, impossible to to harm or defeat, and then then here's the ultimate king of Israel, right, about to take the throne, and that gets shut down quickly.
1: Well, and I think it's helpful to to take a thirty thousand foot view of Luke Acts, and there are some themes that are very much present in Luke Acts. One that's kind of a tangent to this scripture is there's a very socially oriented gospel. Within Luke-Acts, for instance, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's in Matthew. But in Luke, he says, blessed are the poor. It's it's very much a justice-centered gospel. But also in Luke-Acts, there are things that happen that suggest that its movement is from Jerusalem out. From Jerusalem to Samaria to the ends of the earth. The very beginning of Luke is, is for instance, the one time that we get Jesus, the precocious teenager, who his parents are looking for him. They don't know where he is, and he's in the temple. The genealogy in Luke, unlike Matthew, Matthew's genealogy goes back to Abraham. Abraham. Luke's genealogy goes back to Adam. Right. The, the ancestor of all people. And in Luke you have Jesus get rejected by his own hometown and he goes out into the into the world. So you have this movement, this outward movement in Luke and and then in Acts to follow where Jesus and his disciples are meant to take this good news, out to the end of the world the end of the earth but first Jesus is very explicit in saying well it's got to start here you've got to stay here in Jerusalem and wait for the right time but then when that time comes it's time to get moving
0: hmm.
1: and which it cracks me up i always say this when i'm looking at the scripture Two men in white
0: robes
1: (laughs) stood by them after Jesus ascended. Okay, first of all, Jesus has just, he's just.
2: Dropped that truth on them and then. Flown away. I mean, it's hard to visualize it any other way based on what it says here. Um, After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight.
1: Exactly. And then these two men in white robes stood by them and say why do you stand looking to heaven i, I want to be like did you did, did did you not just see yeah what they got happened you
2: got good reason to be That's, looking
1: but basically these robed gentlemen who came out of nowhere i guess say you got to get to work it's it's time to get moving
2: yeah, standing is not going to do it, and and you got to move to the ends of the earth. And, of course, Christian tradition in the book of Acts has that that's exactly what they did.
1: So let's talk a little bit about this then. If you're those apostles, those disciples, and you have just watched the leader of your life and of your movement go away, And the work is before you to be his witnesses all the way to the ends of the earth.
2: What are you thinking? (laughs) Hard to say, honestly, for me, because the whole situation that's unfolded would uh, be so mind-blowing. But I think... I'm going to be thinking this is overwhelming. The task is massive. How can he actually be gone? We lost him once. We got him back. Is this somehow losing him again? What I would hope is that this spiritual sort of gift would be given to me in such a way that I would say, uh, I believe what he said, we're going to wait and something amazing is yet to come, uh, this gift of the Holy Spirit, and then we'll accomplish the work. But I think I think, overwhelming, a little intimidating Maybe a little, maybe even a little sad, maybe to to see Jesus gone again. I think I'd be terrified. Yeah, it would have been terrifying. I think the the appearance of the angels or whoever these men are that would that would do it <laughs> in its own right.
1: Yeah, and I don't know. I I think that I get hung up on that word witness. Mm. I think. That word to me has taken on a life of its own. I, I I suppose I I think of a witness, and I think of well, a couple things. First of all, witness at a trial. But another thing is, I think of the person on the street corner who's handing out the tracks and is witnessing to Jesus.
2: Right, that verb form of witness in uh, American Christian vernacular, maybe Southern vernacular, I don't know how Southern it is, but uh, yeah, if you're going to... It's right up there with (laughs) Reesey. That's right. If you're going to verb witness to somebody, it tends to be synonymous many times with Uh, bringing about their conversion through something that you're going to say. Um, Yes. And it, it, the, the baggage there, I think becomes, uh, this is something I'm going to talk you into or sell to you, hard sell to you. And if you don't agree with me, then you're going to, you're going to miss out in a big way. This is incredibly important that you come to, to do and believe what I want you to do and believe. And so it can feel coercive. I guess that's the, that's the point. Whereas, it's not what the word means at all. Uh, it means share what you've seen and experienced.
1: You're relaying an experience or, or something yeah. that you have seen right. or heard to somebody else. Yeah,
2: all the way to the ends of the earth in this case.
1: And so I do wonder what are we witnessing to then? What does it mean in this time, in this place to be those apostles, because I don't think the charge changes. I think Jesus still says to us, you will be my witnesses in LaGrange, in Georgia, and to the ends of the earth. But what does that really mean for us right now? I think that's an interesting question that we have to wrestle with. Sounds like a good
2: sermon question. I, I think I bet your that pastor is going to answer this on Sunday. I don't know if
1: I'm going to answer
2: it. <laughs> I know we can't. We're not going to. Rarely will we tell y'all what to do. You can hear the suggestion if you listen. <laughs> but but it is going to be different for each person, you know. Oh, by the way, I was thinking Lagrange, Georgia. Don't forget Samaria, so Alabama, and then the ends of the earth.
1: Wow, <laughs> uh, I was proud of that one spent a lot of time in that wonderful state. <laughs> I know, I state. know, that made it even funnier. Bless your heart, as we say. <laughs> There's another Southernism. could have said
2: Tennessee as my stomping ground.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it's an interesting question, and I have a feeling it has something to do with we are witnessing to the things that can liberate us from that which weighs us down or that which shackles us or that which oppresses us. That's right. That which keeps us up yes. at night. Yes. It's not necessarily a question of our salvation, so to speak. Not in the eternal sense. Not at least in my interpretation of things. I mean, it, well, really, it's actually, it's not e- an either or. It's not a, a, an eternal or a here and now salvation. It's really a both and. It's really a... Jesus is about giving us life in the here and now, but also in the ever after. Right. You don't need to neglect one for the sake of the other. That's right.
2: That's right. And you know, one way
1: I've heard this said before is um,
2: that negative connotation of witness we were talking about tends to be you-oriented. You need to do this. You should believe that. Uh, Whereas more genuine witnessing is I. I have experienced. This is what I've seen. God is... Uh, done these things in my life. And, you know, what will happen then is you're just rarely going to get an argument uh, or have a bad experience when you're sharing your 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 life experience. Uh, is somebody going to argue with you about what your life experience is? I mean, if so, uh, it's not a great conversation to hang around in. And, and uh, it's really saying, I think about the work I do with young people at the college. I mean, it's to be a witness as somebody who's been through, a little more stuff. So so be a witness to uh, what you've been through, and you can certainly help somebody else along the way.
1: The last thing I'll say that is hopeful to me in the Scripture is that Jesus trusts this group of people to do this. Yeah. And that he doesn't ask just one person. He The, the, the noun witness is, is plural, witnesses. This isn't something that we do on our own. We have one another, and together we are, as cliche as it sounds. Together we are capable of doing this, and it reminds me. I can't remember if I've said it on this podcast before, and I can't remember who said this. Maybe Leighton can put it in the show notes. Do not presume that a small group of people can't change the world, and when in fact they are the only ones who have. I like
2: it. I don't know either, but it's good.
1: <laughs> I, it's not, it's not, I did not say that. Yeah. I, yeah. That is a direct quote. But the point being, this small group of people to whom we have been referencing and to whom Luke Timothy Johnson referenced, they experienced something that changed the world. And who is to say that can't happen in the here and now? Who is to say that we are not these very people in this scripture?
2: I think it's extremely valid to say we are. That's exactly the idea God has.
1: Come Holy Spirit, make it happen, right? Absolutely. That ends this particular iteration, episode (laughs) of... I'll, I'll witness to
2: my experience of this episode someday.
1: Catechesis a.k.a. Cats and Jesus. Thanks to everybody who's been listening. We love I've actually, you. I've actually heard some people say in the last... By, by some, I mean like one or <laughs> two. Say that they think we're funny.
2: I I, I got to tell you, I listen back occasionally to them, and I'm like, man, that's funnier than I thought. I...
0: <laughs> that is miracle uh, of miracles.
2: <laughs> listen, I think I might have told you, uh, my wife listened to an episode and said, okay, you guys are funny, and that was high praise so but we can't get big-headed here bro no we can't we got to keep Comedy our heads down fickle
1: that's that's <laughs> exactly right that's, why do you stand there bragging on yourselves? <laughs> that's right looking up and looking up at all
2: your glorious threes of podcast listeners
1: get to work check us out social media at lewis @lewisandbroad and broad and lewis look forward to chatting with y'all in a couple weeks time next week laura neely will be here Talk about her scripture for the week as she'll be the preacher on All Saints Sunday. Then we're getting into, well, Thanksgiving and Christmas season. Hard to believe that it's coming. Until then, happy Halloween. Everybody be safe. Remember who and whose you are. And we will see
0: you all next time. Thanks for joining us this week at Catechesis. Follow along on our social media and our websites at fpclagrange.org and lewisandbrot.org Until next week...